0: I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We've been in a series that we've entitled Relentless Joy. We embarked on this journey in January. And we've been studying this four-chapter letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Philippi, which is located in modern-day Greece. Now, Paul had a deep affection for the people of Philippi. Uh, He had been the one who had started the church around AD 70 and he had seen the church grow into a healthy and vibrant congregation and they were doing great things for their community and they were impacting many lives. But upon the writing of, of Paul to this church, as of late the church was experiencing a great deal of hardships. Their founding pastor, Paul, was in prison. Persecution was breaking forth, and it was in and all around them, and they were being viewed by their friends and by their neighbors with higher levels of suspicion. You see, for the church at Philippi, it was becoming difficult to walk with God. Uh, They were losing their hope. They were losing their joy. and, And Paul writes a letter 10 years after starting this church to this church that he loves to tell them that they could find joy again. Here at Village, we have entitled our series, Relentless Joy, because we're on a journey. We, like the church of Philippi, want to serve and honor God in the best ways we can. And we want, amidst that time whether in the good, the bad, or the ugly of life, that we might find true and lasting joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But as you know, that's not always easy. To find a joy that transcends all circumstances and all difficulties of life. Isn't it amazing how God works that we would be in a series like this focused in on finding joy Amidst troubled times? For many of us, this whole uh, process of seeing the tumbling markets and social distancing and and, and total shutdowns have many of us down and broken hearted. But I want you to know this morning, no matter where you're at, whether you are sick or well, whether you are employed or unemployed, whether you have a bright future ahead of you or everything is up in the air, I want you to know this morning without a shadow of a doubt that you can find joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul wanted to share that joy with the people he loved. And I want to reiterate what Paul shared to the Philippians to you today that you and I can find that relentless joy even amidst the circumstances of the COVID crisis and what is plaguing us all. But where do we go? Where do we turn when we have questions? Where do we turn when we become hopeless and joyless because of the circumstances and difficulties of life? We turn, my friends, to the Word of God. And in our passage today, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verses 19 through 30, we're going to get to know two individuals who lived lives of joy amidst difficult circumstances. And we're going to see how they modeled christ-likeness to people who were in need but before we do that i i want to focus our attention on the study of god's word by asking god's blessing on our time so join me in prayer father god we come before you and we ask that you would open our hearts and open our our eyes to what you want us to hear and what you want us to see this morning I pray, Lord, my my friends and my family here are in difficult places. There's a lot of fear and anxiety. There's a lot of concern about tomorrow. But Lord, I pray. I pray that you might give them joy. That you might give them hope. That you might give them peace. Peace not so that we just may have it in and of ourselves, but that we may share that hope, that joy, and that peace to a world that's so badly in need of it. So lead us and guide us through your word this morning, we ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, some years ago when I was a boy, I remember ads And one of the ads that I remember was an ad for uh, issues of indigestion and upset stomachs and and all matter of digestive distress. And there was an ad that would say, how do you spell relief from those things? If your stomach's hurting, where do you go? And the makers of an antacid, Rolaid, said you spell relief, R-O-L-A-I-D-S. What they were saying in that is that you could come to us when your stomach hurt. You could come to us when your stomach was in pain. And we would give you the relief you're looking for. Well, my friends, today I wish there was a pill we could take. And an acid that would take our troubles away. I wish there was something that would take away the panic. I wish there was something that would uh, help us when our lives are unsettled. Now I know much has happened overnight. I know many of you are struggling with fears and anxieties. Some of you right now are full of dread. And that feeling of isolation, that feeling of the unknown weighs heavily on us all. And maybe today you're wondering, what the future holds. Maybe you're wondering where you're going to turn. I want you to know we need to turn to God in these moments. You see, in our text this morning, we are given the prescription of what ails us all. No, it's not a vaccine to COVID. It is something greater than that. Because it is something that transcends all earthly afflictions and all earthly ailments. The prescriptions there at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says that we can have comfort. But why would Paul tell us that we need to have comfort? I want you to notice in chapter 1 verse 29 that Paul reminds us of the life that we are going to live as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, In chapter 1, verse 29, Paul says the following, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Now let's stop there for a moment. Paul says our problem is, is that when we come to Jesus Christ, There are some great things that are going to happen. We are going to believe in Him. We are going to trust in Him. And we are going to delight in the good that God brings to that relationship. And that relationship has incredible blessings, not only for us in the here and now, but also for all of eternity. But Paul, in no uncertain terms, makes it abundantly clear that while The life of a Christian is full of blessing. There's an opposite side to following Christ, and that is that we will be called at times to suffer. And right now, some of us are suffering, we're hurting, and we can't take the good blessings of God and shun the difficult ones. We can't take the things that make us comfortable and give up the things that God wants to use to make us grow. Now, right away, I want you to know this morning that God saw all this coming. God was aware of COVID long before we ever came to recognize what it is and what it means to our lives. And God wants to use this to grow us. Now, some of you right away, right away say, wait a minute, Tim. I've lost my job this week. How is this going to make me grow? Others of you are saying, listen, all our plans have come to an end. You're saying that's going to make me grow? Still, others are saying my, un- my future is completely and utterly unknown, and you're telling me that God is going to use it to grow me? yes. God wants to use the hardships in our lives to make us grow. Now, Paul says that in these hardships, God's going to meet us. In these times of difficulty, God is going to draw near to us, and he is going to make himself so abundantly known by his presence That that sense, even though we walk through a valley of a shadow of death, not only will we not fear evil, but we will be filled with great joy. But how? Paul reminds us this morning, we need to remember these biblical commands. We need to remember these biblical commands. Amidst all this, what Paul says is okay. You're going to suffer as followers of Jesus Christ, and we are. And there's a reason for it. He wants to grow us. But what is the prescription? The prescription is in chapter 2, verse 1. Just turn there for a moment and turn your attention to what he says. Paul says that God wants to give us encouragement. God wants to give us comfort. God wants to give us love. God wants us to experience affection. And God wants us to know that there's sympathy for us. But those prescriptions that God has given have to be grabbed or taken hold of as we take actions moving forward. And so what Paul does is he says, okay, here's what we want. We want encouragement. We want love. We want affection. We want sympathy. Well, how do we get it? Paul gives three commands through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Write these down. Number one, he says, that we need to tough it out together. So you and I are amidst this COVID crisis. And what we want is verse one. We want the love and encouragement and sympathy of God. Well, how do we get it? God says, I want you to tough it out together. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, listen, you need to be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. What we need to recognize as followers of Jesus Christ is that we are in this together. That's what's so amazing, listen to me very carefully, so amazing about the crisis that we face today. All of us are in it together. Not only are we together uh, as Christians, but we're together with non-believers. We're together with Americans, but we're also together with the rest of the world. And we have to figure out how we are going to uh, alleviate this trouble. We're going to have to work together. And what God's Word says is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we aren't to do things in isolation of one another. And that's what makes what we're enduring so difficult. Because we can't be with one another. My prayer is that we will recognize once and for all as Christians is that there is no other better place to be on any given Sunday than to be with God's people. Why? Because the Christian life is not done in isolation. It is done in community. And I'm coming to realize that in even greater ways, our staff has been working overtime, working to reinvent church, To rethink church and, and how it's done. And I've been blown away to watch how we're working together. The strengths and abilities of one fills in the weaknesses and struggles of others. And that's what the Christian life is all about. Now notice, Paul goes on. He says, okay, tough it out together. And then he says, listen. When the going gets tough, you're going to want to focus in on yourself. You're going to want to isolate on your issues and your concerns. But Paul says and write this down, put others ahead of ourselves. Keep going in chapter 2. He says, "Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. Look each of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others who would have thought that a couple weeks ago a 24 pack of charmin would have greater value and demand than the stocks of chevron we never would have sought that but that's exactly where we find ourselves why why do we see all of the pictures of all of the chaos in grocery stores and all of the empty shelves and the full carts that would take care of a family for months on end why because in times of crisis we choose ourselves over others and god's word says listen when trouble comes when suffering comes put others ahead of ourselves you see when we begin to live that out as christians we will help not hoard. Instead of grabbing, we will be giving. And we need to recognize that this morning. As the church of the living God, we have great opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We need to tough it out together. We need to put others ahead of ourselves And we need to follow some faithful examples. The rest of chapter 2, after those commands, is how are you going to do it, church? How are you going to live this way when suffering and difficulty comes? And Paul says, I'm going to help you. And he leaves the chalkboard of the classroom and he goes onto the street and says, I want to give you four examples of those who have done it. And he uses the principle of the greater to the lesser. And he starts in sh- chapter 2 verse 5 and he says the first model, the best model of how to live amidst suffering for the glory of God is Jesus. It's Jesus. And he goes on and he says, Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking on the form of a human. He took on the role of a servant and he made himself nothing and he suffered and he died and that's our model that's our example but i wonder if paul was thinking in that moment of what the philippians might say and i wonder if there would have been some in the philippian church who would have said wait a minute time out we love jesus We worship Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But He's God. Of course, He would excel. He's God. I'm not. He's deity. I'm I'm flesh and blood. How am I ever going to live out with that? He's perfect. I'm sinful. And so Paul says All right, our model, uh, the par excellence, is Jesus. But let me help you a little bit. You want to know how to follow Jesus? Why don't you follow me? And notice in verse 17 of chapter 2, Paul says, hey, use me as an example as I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And what Paul would say in another passage is, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. But I wonder if the Philippians said, but, but time out, Paul. You're an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. You met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You saw the risen Savior. You were commissioned by Jesus Himself to proclaim the good news. Paul, you got way more on us yeah, you're one of us, but, but you're, you're at a whole nother level. You're a hall of famer. We're just some uh, lowly Philippians. So Paul continues. And he gets us into the crux of our text this morning in verses 19 through 30. And what he says is, all right, why don't you imitate Jesus? And while that's a tall order, You can start imitating me, but I know that's a tall order for you, so let me give you two very earthy and very local models that you can follow. And he brings up two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And it is from those two men that we are able to apply the last two elements of our message of what we are to do to find relief in our troubled times. So let's look at the text. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Here's what Paul says. He introduces Timothy to the Philippians. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's (laughs) proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Let's stop there. Paul introduces Timothy to the Philippians. And what Paul tells them is that Timothy is a man of proven worth. He has proved his faithfulness in the good the bad and the ugly of life oh how the church needs to have a proven worth in the world around them that whether in the good the bad or the ugly we like timothy can be proved faithful now what paul says is he says listen i'm going to send timothy to you why because paul wanted to reach out to that community Write that down. In our times of trouble, when we are seeking relief, instead of just thinking about ourselves as Jesus taught us and as Paul showed us, and now Timothy is an example of, we need to follow in those footsteps and serve our community even when we find ourselves in a place of great discouragement. We need to reach out to our community. And that's what Paul sends Timothy to do. And so Timothy heads down to the place of Philippi. For what reason? Well, Paul knew that the Philippians had needs, he knew that they were growing discouraged, he knew that there were all types of outward forces that were uh, preying upon them with all kinds of wrong teaching and beliefs. He knew that there was some lack of unity between two ladies within the church that he'll speak about later in his letter. He recognizes that he has created a leadership vacuum and that he needs a leader like Timothy to come in and fill the gap. And so he sends out Timothy. Why? Because Paul was uniquely aware of the needs around him. Now here's the amazing thing. Paul has his own issues. Paul's in prison. Paul can't leave where he's at. Does that sound familiar? And so Paul, recognizing there are needs and, and, and there's, there's uh, places of lack, he sends however he can help to endure through the crisis. So he sends Timothy. Now, what do we know about Timothy? Well, we know Timothy was a younger man We know that he was a disciple of Paul's. That he had come from a mixed marriage. His mom was a believer. His father wasn't. And now he's given this job to go and fill in the gap, fill the needs that the Philippians had. Well, what made him able to do that? Notice a couple things. First of all, in reaching that community, they needed someone with compassion. And he was a compassionate individual. It says in the text... He was genuinely concerned with their welfare. This young disciple had a heart for people. And this heart for people literally was compassion. That is, when he saw someone struggling, he joined them. He didn't run away. He met them where they were at in their need. He made other people's problems his problem. And he made it his daily priority to alleviate the needs of those around him. He had compassion. Now let me ask you this morning. And I know that much has happened I know there's a lot of confusing moments and a lot of scared moments in our church right now. But let me ask you this question. How compassionate are you in this moment? We recognize and know that our world is hurting. More than 200,000 people that we know of are sick with this sickness. Thousands of them have died. And there's no known cure right now. Are you a cynic? Are you a critic? Do you find yourself complaining, though people have it way worse than you do? Are you complaining because your spring break got ruined? Are you complaining because maybe uh, there's a hiatus with work or or that? Or or do you recognize with compassion that our world is hurting right now and there are people that are scared and people are worried and, and our job is to put on compassion and to meet needs? Paul sent Timothy because he was compassionate. And Jesus is sending us amidst our own struggles, amidst our own anguish to show compassion to others. But there's a second reason, notice, uh, as to why Paul sends Timothy. And notice that it was because he was a committed person. He was committed. You see, compassion isn't just warm feelings or thoughts of those in need. Gee whiz, I'm sorry you're having such a bad day. That's not compassion. Compassion's an attitude that leads to actions. Compassion starts in the heart, and it moves to the hands. Compassion is something not only that we think, but that we do. Now, Timothy is so committed to the cause of Christ and not his own personal needs that he heads off to Philippi to go minister to other people. Now, I'm going to imagine that Timothy, like every one of us, has his own plans and things going on in his life. He may have had his own issues and struggles, but he leaves that all aside and he heads to Philippi because he was committed to the cause of Christ. You see, his commitment was not to be self-centered, but to be others centered now notice the reason why he does this is because he's like jesus he's like jesus and what our world needs right now in even greater ways than a covid vaccination is that the world needs to see jesus and just as timothy brought jesus to Philippi, we can bring Jesus to our communities, to our neighborhoods, to our families by reaching out and being committed. And so let us open our eyes and open our hearts to the needs of those around us. Let us pray like we never have prayed before, not only for our own well-being, but for those who are being ravaged by this in other parts of the world. Let us allow our compassion to move us into action so that we may show our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in letting the world know that there's an answer to not only this problem, but every problem they face, and that answer is Jesus Christ. That is what, in these moments, I pray that you, the church, will be committed to. What about when things don't go the way you want them to? So Paul sends Timothy, and that was the plan. But then something happened. Have you ever had in your life a plan for something to take place, and then for it not to go anywhere close to the way it was supposed to? Truth be told, I shouldn't be in Sugar Grove today. I should be down in Disney World. And up to about seven or eight days ago, that was the plan. To be gone on vacation. To enjoy time. But I find myself here with you. Why? Because there are times that things and plans change. And so, what are we to do in those moments? My third point is we need to roll with those changes. Yes, I did just quote Ario Speedwagon. We've got to roll with the changes. And notice what Paul does. The whole book of Philippians is to find joy amidst the changes of life. To find joy amidst the circumstances of life. To find joy amidst the crisis of life. And can I just add another C there for you, alliteration fans? That you and I would find joy amidst the COVID of life. But what happens when everything changes? Changes. When troubles come, as they have, we need to give our circumstances to God. And that's what Paul does. Notice in verse 24, he says something that church, we need to hear loud and clear this morning. He says, and maybe you want to underline this in your Bible, and I trust in the Lord. Let that sit on you for a moment. Do you trust the Lord? I do when the stock market's at an all-time high. I do when my relationships are all going well. I do uh, trust in the Lord when everything at work is going just fine. But what about now? What about in this moment? Let me share a little more truth to you. For those that... Uh, may not know Uh, my job isn't just to be a pastor but i also have had the great privilege now for almost 25 years of running a family catering business it's been a successful catering business since 1979 we've served over a million people it's it's a wonderful business where i have wonderful employees and wonderful customers you know what happened in the last seven days i went from fully ramped up business To zero. Every one of my jobs over the next six weeks has canceled. Listen, social distancing is a death knell not only to restaurants, but also to caterers. I need groups to run a business. And so I had to let my employees go this week. I've never had to do that before. And the reason why I tell you that is not so that you'll feel sorry for me, but I'm in this with you together. These are difficult times. And the job of the Christ follower is to trust God in all circumstances, even when changes and circumstances and crisis and COVID come our way. So notice what plans changed for Paul. Paul had a plan. Timothy's going to come see you. But notice in verse 25, he says the plan changed. He says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. This is a new guy. We don't know who he is. We'll get to that in a moment. My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing to see you all and has been distressed because he heard that "'You heard that he was ill. "'Indeed, he was ill, so ill near to death. "'But God had mercy on him, "'and not only on him, but me also, "'lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. "'And so I am more eager to send him, "'therefore that you may rejoice at him "'and at seeing him again, "'and that I may not be so anxious. "'So receive him in the Lord with all joy.' and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus was one of their own. Epaphroditus had been given, he's probably a deacon in the church, and we know nothing about Epaphroditus beyond this passage of Scripture. But what we know is that he took the gift that the Philippians had collected for Paul while in prison to comfort him and minister to him in prison. Epaphroditus leaves Philippi and he goes. But things change. The text tells us that he gets sick and not run-of-the-mill sick, so sick that he nearly dies. Sounds familiar? And this illness changes everything. Because probably what Epaphroditus wanted to be, think about this. I'm going to go and be a blessing to Paul. He gets to Paul, and Paul has to be a blessing to him because he's so sick he nearly dies. But then there's another change. Notice in there there's two sicknesses or illnesses. Medical illness that almost kills him. And then it says in the text that he's distressed. Distressed. Look at verse 26. He was distressed, literally it means, of extreme anguish. Why? Because he was homesick. Let me change it another way for you. What Epaphroditus was suffering from is he wanted things to go back to normal. How many of you are there this morning? Maybe you're not sick with this horrific sickness. But you just want things to go back to normal. You just want to go back home to the way things used to be. And each night you say, you know what? I'm going to wake up and it's just going to be all one bad nightmare. And I know it because that's what I think when I go to bed. And I'll wake up and everything will be back the same. School will be in session. Jobs will be okay. The economy won't be crashing. We'll be back to normal. And what Paul does, and, and, and let me just finish my last two points very quickly for you this morning, but they're so important. Because what Paul does for Epaphroditus is what I believe we need to do for those closest to us. We need to care for those that are closest to us. And so Paul's got this guy, Epaphroditus, close to him. And Epaphroditus, his medical illness and his emotional illness, changes everything for Paul. And notice what Paul does. And I want you to think about this to those who are closest, maybe the ones that are sharing the home with you right now. He's positive. Notice in the text, he draws out five positive truths about him. He says he's a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and a minister. He runs through all these things. He says, this guy is great. Honor him with great honor. Things have been a little crazy around here. But honor him. He's a good man. He's a model citizen. He's a model Christ follower. But wait a minute, Paul. He kind of let you down. When the going got tough, he kind of lost it. Not only did he get sick, which wasn't his fault, but he became emotionally distressed and he wanted to go home. He wanted to leave you and head home. What about that? And and Paul is patient. We need to be positive and we need to be patient. Now let me apply this to, from Epaphroditus' life to ours. Right now you're sharing a home. Right now you find yourselves in quarantine. And right now, maybe you're loving it. It's great having the kids home. It's great to have everybody around. You've played more board games and had more family time than ever before. But but can I tell you the day is gonna come where you're gonna get on each other's nerves? And the people that you're sharing that home with right now, your family, you're not gonna want to be very positive. But share love and share good words about them. Affirm them in what they're doing. But wait a minute, what happens when they kind of go crazy? What happens when they uh, start losing it emotionally? Be patient. Moms, dads, be patient with those kids. They don't want to be home. They want to be at school. They want to be with their friends. They they want to be participating in sports or or in that spring show or that spring concert. Uh, They're looking forward to their senior year. Be patient with them. They didn't plan. This isn't how they wanted their spring semester to go. So moms and dads, be patient. Be long-suffering when things get a little wacky. We live in crazy times. Kids, be patient with mom and dad. Speak words of positive affirmation to them. We live in the craziest moments that I can remember. I think this is even crazier than 9-11. And your mom and dad are trying to care for you. They're trying to protect you and watch over you. And they know the last thing they want to do is hold up a teenager in a house, but that's what they've been asked to do. And so be patient with them. Spouses. Don't allow all this negativity and all this despair to destroy your marriage. Share words of love and affection as Paul did with Epaphroditus and and, and be willing to be patient with one another and help one another so that however long this crisis goes, we may, as the Apostle Paul says, shine like stars in our generation. Paul closes out this section of Scripture in chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And let me close this message out to my church that I love across all five of its campuses. This series and these truths have reminded us that joy is a choice. And whether things are good or whether they're bad, each and every day, whether we get to get out of the house or not, we have a decision to make. Will we choose joy? And the way that we choose joy is by remembering the faithfulness of God that we learned about last week. That God's in this and God's faithful and we can have joy because He who began a good work in us is faithful to see it to completion. And this is one step in the journey. By choosing joy, you make a decision. Write this down and meditate on this in the moments to come. To find joy means I find Jesus. I serve others. And then I take care of who? you. Jesus, others, you. That's where we'll find joy. And my prayer is that amidst all of this difficulty, that our communities and our neighbors and our friends and our families will see a relentless joy that brings hope and peace to our troubled world. Over the next couple moments, I want you to take some time and meditate on what's been said. And in a couple moments, I'm going to ask Pastor Nico to come and to close this message out with a word of prayer. So let's turn to the Lord in our hour of need, asking him to fill us with his joy and with his peace.